Well, good morning, CBC Brunswick. Man, it's so good to be with you, all of you online watching right now. Glad that you guys are with us as well. Uh, if you are newer to CBC, my name is Chad Allen, and I get the joy of serving as lead pastor here at CBC. And it's just exciting to see what God is doing and is going to be doing through you, this new campus uh, here in Brunswick. So we're excited about you and about the Lord and what he's going to be doing through you in this community and through this community. Well, for our time right now, uh, I want us to start by really just focusing our thoughts on God. It's a good thing to do in church, right? Okay. And so whatever you need to do right now to just kind of focus, I don't care if you need to close your eyes or put your head down or whatever it is, I just want you to take a few seconds. I want you to focus your thoughts on the Lord. And as you do that, the first thing I'm going to ask you is think of words that come to mind that describe him, his nature, his character, how you've experienced him, what you know of him. Just think about the words that come to mind. And what words are those? Are they loving, merciful, just, kind, distant, near, unfair, mean? What, what are the words that come to mind? Now I want to step on that and, and push it a little harder and ask you to creatively think now of a metaphor, an analogy, a concept that you would grab a hold of that you feel like describes how you experience God. Your thoughts, your feelings about God, if you were to find a metaphor, a concept of some sort, what comes to mind for you? A parent? A judge? A uh, yard duty, you know, when you're in school? The rock? Like, what are, what are the, the concepts that come to mind? And all those words that come to your mind and all the concepts that come to your mind, they're shaped heavily by your circumstances, your highs and your lows, the things that have gone well in your life and the difficulties. They, they shape how we see God, a lot of times how we feel about God. Now, despite our highs and lows, and really regardless of how we feel or what we think about God, here's what we do know about God. God is real. He is involved in our life and in humanity, and he loves us and he cares for us. But the main question that I want us just to rally around today during this time is this. Do you recognize and embrace your dependency on God? Do you recognize and embrace your dependency on God in such a way that ultimately you trust him? And no matter what you go through, you trust God. That's our goal for today to grow in the confidence and trust in the one who cares most for you, cares most for your soul. Now, I know of a man who had lots of highs and lows in his life. He experienced wealth and poverty, popularity, success, uh, victory over opposition and adversarial people. He had several heroic moments in his life as well. He experienced the joy of family, good friendship. Uh, he had a lot of love and support in his life, but he also had a lot of hardships. Some he brought on himself through just epic failures in his life, some through the adversity of others. Uh, he had unhealthy marriages. Yeah, plural, many marriages. Uh, he committed adultery. He, he lost his wealth. He abused his leadership position. He experienced homelessness. He also had several of his children die. His best friend was killed. He was betrayed by people that once were close to him. And he made a lot of enemies during his lifetime. 
And some of them wanted him dead. But no matter what this man had been through, he came to a place in his life where he both recognized and embraced his dependency on God to the point that ultimately he trusted in the Lord. And there's a moment where this man focused his thoughts and focused his feelings on God and came up with a metaphor. He came up with an analogy, a concept that best described his relationship with God and how he experienced God. And the metaphor, the analogy was that of a shepherd. That of a shepherd. Of course, that was the last clue some of you needed to know who I'm talking about. This is none other than who? David. King David, born around 1000 BC, the little shepherd boy who became the second king of Israel. And today as we continue in our current soul care series, we're going to be looking at where David wrote about this in Psalm 23, where he paints this picture of God as his shepherd. Now the thing about Psalm 23, it is undisputably the most well-known psalm in the Bible and can arguably be said to be the most well-known passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. Because whether you're Hebrew and you know, you're an Israelite, Jew, whether you're a Christian, even uh, those who sometimes practice uh, Islam, those who've ever been into a memorial service or a funeral, the exposure to Psalm 23 by people who even don't even believe in God is, is vast. And so these six verses are probably the most well-known verses of the entire Bible around the globe. So the temptation uh, for me is going to be to somehow try to make them fresh and clever or whatever for you. And the temptation for you is to be tuned out. If you've heard these verses before, you're like, oh, Psalm 23, got it memorized, got it unlock, I'm good. But we're going to come to the Lord today with a mutual desire for the Lord to speak to us, to make something fresh, but also to draw us back to these timeless truths, this intimate psalm that David wrote that expressed how God cared for his soul. And so the psalm points to this powerful picture of a person, David, who recognized and embraced his dependency on God and ultimately led him to a place to trust him. And so let's look at Psalm 23 together. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. Some of you do have this memorized. And as we look at Psalm 23, that's the question I just want to frame in. Do you recognize, do you embrace your dependency on God to such a point that you ultimately trust him? Psalm 23, let's look at that together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And whenever God's people hear a passage of Scripture that resonates with their soul, they say what? Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. Truly a timeless passage. Preached, taught, shared, written, passed around for generations. And there's a reason for it. Because God, there's this understanding of our dependency on you and our need to trust you and understanding the way you lead and protect and provide. 
So God, I pray for all of us, no matter where we are spiritually, whether we're brand new as followers of Christ, whether we've been walking with Jesus for decades, or whether we're still exploring what it even means to have a relationship with God. Would you speak to us today and give us fresh understanding and insights in Jesus' name? Amen. I want to come at the psalm basically in two parts. The first is I want to look a little bit closer and unpack some of the imagery, language, and concepts that are there. Because here in 2021, from a Western American context, there's a lot of things that we miss. And so I'm just going to spend some time unpacking some of that. And then the second part is to look a little bit more at some of the application and meaning for us as we review Psalm 23. So first part, understanding the language and imagery. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord there is the word Jehovah. It means the existing one. It's the formal name of the one true God. And so David is applying this metaphor of a shepherd to the one true God. It's the Lord who is my shepherd. And in the same way that he's saying that God is his shepherd, he's simultaneously admitting that he is a what? A sheep which is a perfectly appropriate metaphor for us to understand. And I know a lot of you know this, but when you study sheep, sheep are dumb and they're helpless. Like, I've never heard someone like, man, I got attacked by a sheep today. It was vicious. <laughs> Can't really hurt you, you know? Sheep are just these fragile, following creatures that are very vulnerable. They have a lot of needs. They're very needy creatures. And so David is coming from this imagery because it's part of his personal journey. He was a shepherd boy. He understands what responsibility he had as a shepherd caring for sheep. And now he's saying that's the way that God, Jehovah, the one true God, has cared for me because I'm a sheep. Now, if you need some examples of how sheep are like that, let me, let me just explain a couple things, okay? Uh, here's one example. Uh, in 2005, in Turkey, you can Google this. This is true. I'm not making it up. In 2005 in Turkey, uh, there was 20-plus shepherd families that came together. And they sat down to have lunch, and they put all their sheep together in one herd to graze while they were eating, their sheep were eating. Now, one sheep out of the whole herd, everyone say one. One sheep out of the whole herd started moving as he was grazing, found himself at the edge of a cliff, and jumped over the cliff and died. All 1,500 sheep followed him. Seriously, all 1,500. Now, the weird thing, this is kind of sad and kind of humorous at the same time, 450 died because as all of the sheep were falling, eventually the other sheep were falling on the other sheep that have wool and it's like falling on a pile of Q-tips, you know. They didn't all die, but they all went over the cliff. That's nutty, okay? And if you need any more evidence that sheep are dumb, okay, and think they got to figure it figured out, this video I showed this video on social media. I found it on social media. This, this thing is brilliant, okay? Shepherd is helping. Who knows how this thing even got in there, right? Freeze them. I am free. This is awesome. And right back in. <laughs> like, come on. And, and just because that was so brilliant, uh, we slowed it down. Because look at the, just the, 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 the sense of freedom. I'm free. Sheep need a shepherd. <laughs> Sheep need a shepherd. David said, you're my shepherd. And then he says, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to come back to that. And then he says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, here's what happens. And there's nothing wrong with this. It's just inaccurate. 
Whenever we hear this passage, we start rolling in our mind's eye Ireland, right? You've got the green hills rolling through the land, okay? And so we have these pastures, and these are the green pastures. And you see Psalm 23 you know, embossed on memes and photos of this lush green pasture. The problem is, this is David as a shepherd speaking from a Middle East context, Judean wilderness. So when you think about the imagery that David had in his mind, this is actually what he had in his mind, okay? Can you see the sheep? They're there if you look really hard. And if you look really carefully, it's kind of like I spy. I think I see green, right? There's some shrubs there. Well, here's what happens. If you zoom in, if you really want to see the green pastures that Dave is talking about, this is what it looks like. You've got these sheep here, and you just have these tufts of bush and grass sticking up among the rocks and the, and the, the, the desert wilderness. This is green pasture from David's perspective. And this is why the sheep are so needy. Now, if a sheep had Ireland... They don't need the shepherd. Look at, all, look at all this grass. I'm just going to lay down, eat myself into a coma, and then I'm good. I'll wake up. Where's the shepherd? Who cares? We got grass, right? But if you're in the Judean wilderness, the shepherd has to lead you. He knows where the grass, he knows where the moisture has been drawn, where the rain fell. He knows where to take the sheep to get to the pasture. He leads me to green pastures, leads me to the place where I can eat. And then he says, and besides still waters. Some of you have learned that sheep are pretty skittish. And so it is true that if like there's a rushing river, the sheep are not drinking from that water. They, they like calm pools of water. But there's, there's a deeper meaning here. When it says he leads me beside still waters, still waters literally means in the Hebrew, waters of rest. So, so when you see here this understanding that he leads me to green pastures and besides still waters, the overall big idea is not just food and water for sustenance. It's that he will lead me to a place of rest and safety and security and contentment. I don't have to stress. I don't have to freak out about where my next meal is coming from because the shepherd's going to take me where I need to go. He's going to keep me safe. It's, it's about rest. This is, this is the concept that David is orbiting around right now, rest and safety. And then he says this in verse 3, he restores my soul. As we're going through this series about soul care, about our nefesh, our inner being, our life being refreshed and restored, this is such a powerful verse. Now, the word restores here does um, convey refreshment and renewal, but even more so, it's the concept of <clears throat> bringing back. He restores my soul. He, he brings me back. This is the concept of where the shepherd will leave the 99 to get the one. He restores my soul. Uh, there, there's, a, there's another example of that because, see, sheep have a tendency to wander off. And when sheep wander off, they wander away from the care of the shepherd, from the protection of the shepherd. And so when sheep wander off and leave and are neglected, bad things happen. They become easy prey. They fall and get hurt. They fall off cliffs. You know, all these kinds of crazy stuff. But there's a story from 2015 in Australia where a sheep left the fold and got lost in the Australian wilderness for six years. His name is Chris. Meet Chris, okay? Now, I didn't pick the name. If there's a Chris in the room or online, I'm sorry. I didn't pick the name. But this is Chris. For six years, he didn't have his wool sheared. This became a life-endangering situation because if he fell, when, when they shaved him, 
They found out they weighed it. It was 80 pounds, over 80 pounds of wool. They said it could make like 20 suits, you know? 80 pounds this sheep was carrying around. If he would have fallen over, it would have been humorous and sad, right? Having a hard time getting up. If a, if a predator was chasing him, good luck. Of course, the predator would have to get through the, you know, whatever. It's like, but he, he'd get him. This is life endangering. And so they, 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 they found Chris. They brought him back. What's the first thing they did? They sheared him, made sure he was good. You know what they did for Chris? They restored him. They, they brought him back to a place of care because he'd been neglected for six years. This is, this is the understanding of restoring my soul. And so when we think of the proverbial photo of the shepherd putting the sheep on his shoulders, all these photos, by the way, are authentic photos. They're, they're old and, and more recent from like you know, Israel and all those things. Here's a, here's a picture of a shepherd having that sheep on his shoulders, bringing him back to a place of nourishment. He restores my soul. David is saying, you bring me back. I wonder, you bring me back. You restore me. This is what he's saying. Then he says this. He, speaking of the shepherd, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the term righteousness there is a Hebrew word. It's sedek. It means rightness. And so he's saying, uh, you know, basically, from David's understanding, when a sheep are left to themselves, they will wander to wherever, and again, fall off cliffs, get hurt, get neglected. They need to be led on a path that's going to be best for them. Now, again, zooming out to what it means to shepherd sheep in the Judean wilderness. What you see here is a photo of a bunch of sheep on a line. They're following a shepherd that's up in front of them somewhere, and they're following along on a path or these paths. Because if they get off the paths, they can fall. They can, they can fall down a cliff and die. Uh, they, they, they go off, off course. And here's the other thing. These paths of righteousness, it's the path of rightness, they have to follow the shepherd because here's an understanding of a shepherd. In order to care for the sheep, they got to keep them moving. Because if the sheep stay in one spot in one green pasture, they will eat it down to the ground and then to the roots, and then that thing will not produce again. So they've got to let them keep moving so that they have just what they need in the moment and keep them moving. Well, if you do that for hundreds of years, if you do that for thousands of years, here's what happens. Look at this photo. And so you see a hillside here, and on this hillside are all these lines. And some of you are like, well, I studied geology. That's all sedimentary layers from water lines. No, those right there are paths of righteousness. That's the image that David had in his mind, because what those are, they're all these paths that have been carved in the side of hills for generations by shepherds and their sheep. And you can go all over the wilderness of Israel and you will see that everywhere. The shepherds lead them on these paths. They know the routes. They know where to go. And the sheep have to follow them. Without that, they just go wherever. And it hurts themselves. And so he leads me on these paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. A shepherd that has sheep die gets a bad reputation. Why, why is David saying, you take care of me? When, when David says, you take care of me and you feed me and you nourish me and you give me contentment and safety and rest, who gets the glory? The shepherd does. It's for his reputation. David is bragging. As he's talking about this, he's not just talking about how I feel. He's talking about who God is. He gets all the glory. If you see a sheep alive, it's to the credit of the shepherd. It's for his glory. 
That's why David is bragging on God. And then he, then he, then he turns a corner in verse 4. Look at it. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we always see that, right? Not around, okay? But through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see the pronoun change? You see what David just did? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He does this, he does this, he does this. Now, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now personal pronoun change, you are with me. Now he's talking to God, not just about God. The reason some of you are suffering spiritually is maybe you can talk about God, but you're not talking to God. You, you can talk about God all day long, but you don't know what it means to talk to God, converse with him and to listen to him and pour out your heart like David is. That, that, that soul care, the care for your soul increases when you learn how to talk to God like David's talking about. And he, and he paints this picture of this, this valley of the shadow of death. Here's a question a lot of people have never asked themselves when they read Psalm 23. Why and how did the sheep get in the valley in the first place? What are sheep doing in the valley of the shadow of death? And instantly we think, oh, well, it's because they stray and there's this one lost sheep in the valley that needs to be rescued, perhaps. But the primary reason that the sheep find themselves in the valley is because the shepherd led them there. Mind blower. Why on earth would a shepherd take the sheep to the valley? Because in the valley there's these cliffs and there's rocks and there's scorpions and there's spiders and there's snakes and there's holes to fall into, there's cliffs to fall off of, plus there's cougars and lions, there's bears, there's wolves, there's predators all around. But here's what also is in the valley. And you see a picture here of the valley and in Israel what you will find is the waters cut through in the wilderness from flash floods for years and the rains and they cut through and make these things called wadis. I'm going to say wadi, W-A-D-I, wadi. Okay, you guys all sound you know, like you, you've traveled to Israel now, okay? And at the base of the wadi, at the bottom, what do you see? What colors do you see? Green and blue. If the water is cutting, the, then the water is in the wadi. And if the water's there, guess what else will be there? Some green pasture. Now, what are they doing in the valley? Sometimes what happens is they, they graze an area to where there's nothing left, and the shepherd says it's getting hot, We've got a journey. I'm going to take you out of the danger of the 100 plus degree weather, pull you into the wadi where there's shade, there's water, there's green, and we've got to go through the wadi, even though there's dangerous places, to get you somewhere else I need to get you so that you'll be better off. David is saying, even though you've taken me, led me into this dangerous place, I'm not going to be afraid. And notice, it doesn't, David didn't say it's because you removed evil, because you, you eliminated the evil. There's no predators. He says, I'm just not going to fear the evil. It's there. I'm just not going to be afraid. Why? Because your rod, your staff, they comfort me. A lot of us are familiar with the, the visual imagery there. Here's a, here's a standard like shepherd's staff, right? A lot of times, uh, more accurately, they'd be taller. They'd be like this high. And so the staff, a lot of times I think these are two words for the same instrument. Really, there's two different instruments. You've got the staff, which does typically have a crook so they can help rescue sheep out of trenches, you know? Or when they're going, they can, they can tap, you know, sheep that are kind of wanting to wander. But also when they lead the sheep, sheep aren't driven from behind. They're led from the front. Uh, the staff is way up front. It's a visual follow. And so they hear the shepherd, but the shepherd can't talk nonstop. 
so that she could always look up and see the staff or hear the staff tapping and know that's where the shepherd is. It's comforting to know I'm being led. But then there's also the rod, and the rod was just a small club. Sometimes it would have little metal pieces of sharp objects on the end. And so we've got a, a picture here of, a, of an old uh, young man in Israel. He's like most boys. He's showing off his weapons. He loves these weapons, right? And so he's got his sling, which was very customary as well. But then he's also got the short club. What was the club used for? It was a weapon to beat off the predators. And so if a, if a, if a lion came to attack, a bear came to attack, or a snake came up, beat it with that thing. And this was the weapon. And so David's going, you're, you're taking me through dangerous places, but even though there is evil, even though there is things to fear, I'm not going to fear because you're with me. And you've got your staff that you lead me with, and you've got your you know, club that you help beat off the enemies with. You comfort me. And so notice that the shepherd's presence didn't eliminate the presence of evil, just remove the fear of evil. And as he's talking about comfort, and as he's talking about the presence of evil, he shifts now in verse 5. Look what he says now. He kind of changes the metaphor a little bit. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now the shepherd becomes really a host. And now, now he's having a picnic lunch. Now you saw the imagery. They're out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. Where on earth are they like putting down Subway and having lunch? Like, it's, it's hot, it's a desert. And so, if you guys have, have ever studied the, the, the culture there, it's very customary that there are tents that they put up and they build and they put in place out there. And so here's a, a, a replica of a Bedouin shepherd tent that you can uh, go there. This is one that we visited just a couple years ago. And so out in the middle of nowhere, you'll find this, this tent. And in the tent, you go into it, and here's a picture of our group, our, our study group, that went into this tent, that there's shade, you instantly get down 20, 30 degrees inside this tent, and then they start bringing out food, platters, grapes, and fruit, bring out water, and, and then the hospitality is so important. Like, your reputation as a host was important. And so you, you would lay out the spread. And so it's very refreshing to you. So this language about you anoint my head with oil, like there's no shower in the back. There's no, like, shells of deodorant or a little ax spray or something like that to help out. So oil was placed on you to kind of bring and refresh you and cool you. And then my cup overflows. Your host isn't going like, hey, I'm just going to give you a little bit because we have to ration out here. Just overflows your cup. There's abundance. David is saying, with you, you, you cool me, you refresh me, you feed me, and there's abundance. I never have to worry about that. And on top of that, you lay out the spread in the presence of my enemies. And so culturally, when you invited someone into your tent, you are now their protector, caregiver. You would go fight for them. If enemies were to come and try to hurt them while they were on your property in your tent, you would defend them with your life. So saying, even though there's enemies out there, I'm not afraid. In fact, you, you, you lay a buffet before me and refresh me in the presence of my enemy. Verses 1 through 5 are like this crescendo that leads David to say what he says in verse 6. Look, he goes, surely. He's not like maybe or kind of. This is a declaration of confidence. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because of his shepherd, right? Because he has a shepherd like this, he knows that goodness and mercy shall follow him and he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to enjoy this relationship here on earth and once this life is over, this is what eternity is going to be like. 
under the care of the shepherd. And what I love especially about this is if you connect the dots, another thing people miss when you look at Psalm 23, the shepherd leads, right? We follow. The shepherd's with you in the valley, and now he comes behind you with goodness and mercy. David's saying, you surround me. You're in front of me, you're next to me, you're behind me. Who doesn't want a God like that? Who doesn't want a shepherd like that? This is a declaration of confidence. Despite all his highs and lows, if you read the story of David, there's a lot. He's come to that place that he's recognized and he's embraced his absolute dependency on God to such a point that ultimately, no matter what happens, he trusts him. And we need to do the same. Now, just a quick little Passover, when you kind of drill down maybe some, for more personal application, and kind of part two here, the Lord is my shepherd. What I love about this is David is saying the Lord is currently active. He, it's not that he was my shepherd or he might be my shepherd or will be. He is my shepherd. He's, he's leading me now. Here's the reality. Everybody's following somebody. So who are you following? Whose voices are leading you? Some of you, the culture, which changes all the time, right? You're following the culture. Well, if you're following the culture, you're just dedicated to a life of constant change and departure from God's truth, by the way. And so is the culture shepherding you? Is it your friends? You listen to the voices of your friends? Oh, there's a good one. That's sheep leading sheep. Well, you see, like, you see where sheep go? One went to go over the cliff, and they all followed. Some of you are letting your friends determine your truth. That's ridiculous. You're, you're letting a, a culture, a generation, a political party, whatever it is, who's shepherding you? The reality is some of you are going, I'm my own shepherd. Okay, well, you saw how that goes. You're a terrible shepherd. You're a great sheep, a terrible shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All of us need to have the Lord God leading us, guiding us, and we have to follow him. The Lord is my shepherd. And if you find yourself following the Lord, as a sheep, then you too will say, I shall not want. I didn't unpack that yet. Let me unpack it for a minute. This phrase, I shall not want, literally means I lack nothing. How many of you woke up this morning, opened your eyes, looked around your room and went, I lack nothing. I don't need one other thing in my life. I don't need a new shiny toy. I don't need a new experience. My needs are met. Some of you are going, uh, truth be told, that wasn't me. Here's why. We don't like it when God just meets our need. We want him to meet our greed. God, I want, I want, I want, I want. Here's my shopping list. Here's my prayer list. My shopping list is the same thing. See, it's hard because it's hard for us to say I lack nothing when we live in a culture that says you need everything. And if you can't afford it, use a credit card. Get in debt. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Because see, if the Lord's your shepherd, and you let him lead you, and you trust him, you can find yourself saying, I lack nothing. You know what that means? I'm content with God's management of my life, and he gives me what I need, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And then, verse 3, he restores my soul. This is exactly what some of you need to hear today. And you've wandered. You are Chris the sheep. <laughs> you have wandered off. 
And not only do you need God to refresh you and renew you, you need him to throw you over his shoulders and bring you back and shear you and feed you and care for you. You're deceiving yourself to think that you can care for yourself better than God can. And so to restore you means to bring him back. And the way to do that is to say, I want to come back. I want to come back. And this is where the gospel starts to meet Psalm 23. Because when you understand the life and the mission of Jesus Christ, his was a go restore them back mission, right? Isaiah 53, 6 says, we're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all gone our own way. But God took our iniquity, our sin, and laid them on him. What do you mean what? When Jesus came and lived that perfect life and went to the cross, all our wanderings, all our rebellion were nailed to the cross of Jesus. And he died in our place. And then when he rose from the grave, he declared victory over sin, victory over death, and an invitation to come and to be led by him and to follow him. That's what it means when we say we're going to follow Christ. And I don't want to make the mistake of assuming all of you have done that. And there might just be one or two of you here that you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You think you're your own shepherd. And God's speaking to you today saying, stop it. Follow me. Well, the key is to come into that relationship with Christ. If you've never done that, you just pray and tell God you want to do that. And you can just do it with the ABCs of faith. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and rose from the grave. C, commit your life to following him. It's not a decision you make and you're done. You commit to follow. You follow the shepherd. And so you just tell the Lord that in prayer. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and I commit my life to following him. And if you do that, talk to us. We want to come and celebrate with you and walk with you. And so talk to us in the foyer afterwards, Pastor Josh, Lauren, myself, anyone with one of those lanyards, or, or if you're online or if you've know, you got to go, text us and say, I want to have this conversation. Text us at the response number, the 330 uh, response number, and say, I want to follow Christ. Moving on, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Some of you have found yourself in a valley. You will find yourself in a valley or you're in one right now. The valley isn't all bad. There are lessons you will learn in the valley you will never learn outside of it. And the reason the Lord is taking you through the valley is to learn something that you would never learn otherwise. And he's got something better for you, even though it's painful and you don't understand why God's allowing this sickness or this pain or this trial in your life. You just have to say, I don't get it. I don't know where we're going, but I'm just going to follow you. And your staff and your rod, they comfort me. Because you're going to guide me. You're going to protect me. Not from all pain, but from the fear of evil. And you don't have to be afraid. You know, I think of the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's with you in the valley. And then, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What I love about this is uh, this is where Jesus is the good shepherd, departs from the average shepherd. Uh, In David's time, you would never let the sheep in to eat with you in the tent. (laughs) They're outside somewhere. What does Jesus do? He invites you in. Come dine with me. Come be with me. I want to prepare a buffet for you forever. I'll protect you from your worst enemies. Some of you are going like, man, I've got some enemies at work. I've got some enemies at school. I've got some neighbors I wish I didn't have. Like, what are you talking about? 
You know your worst enemies? Fear, death, sin. Those are your worst enemies. Jesus took care of those on the cross. So you can just be refreshed and let him host you. Jesus invites us in. And when you put all this together, when you put all that together, we too should be able to make this declaration, surely, like definitely, I know without a shadow of doubt, goodness and mercy will follow me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a declaration of confidence in God. You're saying he leads me, I follow. He's with me in the hard places and he's coming behind me with his goodness and his mercy and he pursues me. This is what it means to be a sheep following the good shepherd. Now what do we do with that? Well, there's a lot of different things. I, I, I trust the Holy Spirit has already made some applications. I could probably just stop talking now and some of you made some connections that the Lord's given you. And here's just a couple more I would add to that. One, the way sheep learn to trust the shepherd is they spend time with him to learn to trust him. Some of you have a hard time trusting God because you're just not spending time with him. So you gotta spend more time with the Lord, reading scripture, praying, connecting, being in fellowship with other people with the same spiritual goals as you and life groups and other community contexts and get to know the shepherd so you can trust him more. Be with the shepherd more so you can trust him more. The other is to pray. This is a beautiful song. It can be a prayer. And so uh, one way you can apply this is to pray Psalm 23. Like one, at least once this week, pull out Psalm 23 and turn it into a personal prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, you are my shepherd. You can hang out there and pray for 20 minutes, <laughs> right? Here's how you lead me. Here's where I see you leading me. Here's where I follow or I don't follow. I confess you. I'm a cruddy sheep, you know? Like you can just hang out there. I shall not be in want. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I have been a greedy little sucker. Lord, I confess that. Lord, help me. I trust you. You can, you can start to pray through Psalm 23 in a very personal, intimate way and watch what it does. I challenge you to do that. And there's other ways you can pray. When, when you're tempted to be greedy and, and discontent, you can say, Lord, I'm gonna trust you in your provision and management of my life, just like the sheep trust the shepherd. When, when you're tempted to... Question God when you're in a place that's hard and challenging. You can say, Lord, I don't know where we're going. I don't know why we're in this valley, but I'm just going to trust you and follow faithfully and see where we're going. Like you can, you can bounce off of this in so many different ways and pray. And so that's my challenge. And again, if you don't know Christ, I don't miss out on the joy and the peace and the confidence and the soul care that comes with following the good shepherd. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who provides for us. We confess that we are sheep that wander, that are discontent, that uh, don't trust you like we should. Father, I pray that today by reading this passage and hanging out in this passage for a while, you've renewed our understanding of what it means to follow you and to trust you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that all of us today will recognize and embrace our dependency on you to the point that ultimately we trust you no matter what. Do that work in our life. We ask in Jesus' name and we all sit together.